0: Would you take your Bibles, please, and turn to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. I want to assure you that I am in no way going to be taking up the what 666 means and the white horse and the black horse and what I want to do in the next coming Sundays of Communion. If you look at the book, in the book of Revelation, you will see that, by the way, it's the book of Revelation, just one, not Revelations, just one. The Revelation is about Jesus Christ and God is revealing to John just what is taking place and what is to take place. And uh, But at the beginning of the the letters, I have titled this morning, You've Got Mail. And um, I think there's a TV program with that name, and I, I'm not trying to copyright the very copyright or anything. I just thought it was kind of nice to have that. Um, it'll catch your attention, You've Got Mail. And um, at the beginning of each of the letters that he writes to the churches, he reveals something about himself. And you will see what I mean this morning. And and my purpose for this is for us at the communion table to come not so much to focus upon how Christ meets our needs. That is important. But if he were not whom he claimed to be he couldn't meet our needs. And we need to see him as God sees him because this is what is taking place. God is showing us through John that Jesus is not merely a man from Galilee. He's not simply the son of a peasant named Mary. And each time we are revealed something of the wonder. It needs to be made, my friends, something that excites our souls. Listen as I read the first eight verses and my text is taken from verse eight alone. This is the word of God. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his bondservant, that is John, the things which must soon take place. And he sent and communicated it by his angels to his bondservant, John, who testified of Jesus even to all that he saw. Blessed is he who reads these, uh, those, blessed is he Who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is, and who was, and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead. That is the first one who came back from the dead to live forevermore. To him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. And he has made us a kingdom of priests to his God To him be glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him and those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega says the Lord God, who is, and who was, and who is to come, the Almighty, the Word of God. May the words of my mouth and the meditation in our hearts be acceptable, O God, to you, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. A.W. Tozer, that spiritual giant of another age, says this in his wonderful, I call it a little book, called The Knowledge of the Holy. Tozer writes, and I quote, so necessary to the church is a lofty concept of God that when that concept in any measure declines, the church with her worship and her moral standards, decline along with it. The first step down for any church is taken when it surrenders its high opinion of God. That being the case, the present concept of God in a lost world, because it was first the church who lost the concept of God. This was followed by the world's concept of God. The church lost its concept of God and the world then followed. It is amazing to me as I study this text that That God wanted the church, remember this was written to the church, not to the world. God wanted the church to once again grasp who Jesus was. Imagine that within 50 years of the ascension, 50 years of the crucifixion, the church was beginning to lose its high, lofty concept of who God was, of who Jesus was. And as we march down through the ages to where we are today, someone had the audacity to say that God made us in His image and now we're returning the favor to Him. We are making Him in our image. The church had lost it. And as Toza says, when the church loses its high, lofty concept of God, then the world follows and does exactly the same thing. And you can trace it, my friends, for yourself. In this little section we're going to look at this morning, I call this the implication, the implication of the revelation. God is telling us something in This revelation that we need to hear. Not only the church in Asia. And that's not talking about Japan and China. It's talking about what was there at the time in in, in the Roman Empire. In in that area of time. There is something very awesome when we look at the opening words of verse 8. Listen to it. Jesus said, I am. I am. That phrase is a is a phrase of divine revelation. It is first expressed way back in the book of Exodus, where God reveals Himself to Moses and to the world for the first time as the I am. But He, he adds two things to the I am. You know, I, I can say to you, I am rich. <laughs> but you wouldn't believe that. I can say to you, I am handsome. Some of you might believe that. <laughs> but he is not saying something that he wishes to take place By saying I am this or I am that. What does he say I am? First of all, he said I am the Alpha. The Alpha is the first letter in the Greek alphabet. And it is interesting by using it, he's saying this, that before him, as there there was a before, nothing created existing Before God, before Christ. He is the Alpha. He is the beginning of everything. Nothing came into existence, says John, apart from Him. He begins everything. Everything begins from Him. I am the Alpha. We'll deal with that in a few minutes Some more. The book of Job chapter 33 verse 4 says this, The Spirit of God has made me and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. So we don't have life apart from the Alpha. He has life within Himself. We don't. We don't. I I was doing something on my computer the other day. And believe me when I say that, don't have the idea that I'm doing something magnificent at the computer. I have about five things that I know what to do, okay? We had some, some things that our house done this past week, and the guy was going through the whole thing with me, and I thought, this is madness. This is madness. And as I was going through that, whatever I was doing at the time, looking at the news, I was looking at all the people who died over the past ten months, all the people who died over the past 10 months. One of the great ones just died this past week, Yogi Berra. <laughs> Some of you will remember him. Others of you will wonder if is that is a bear or not. No, it's not a bear, it's a baseball player. But a unique one. I followed his, I hated him actually. Uh, <laughs> he played for the Yankees and I'm a Dodger fan. And, I, and we had troubles with Yogi Berra. He was a great one, a great one catch some of the great baseball games, and he died. Robert Shula died this past year. And I can go on. None of those men started their own lives. Every human being, every created thing has life because they have received life from him who is the alpha, the source of life. Alpha, he did not get life from something that existed before him. He has life within himself. The Omega. That's the last letter of the Greek alphabet. If there was nothing before him, there is nothing after him. There isn't going to come a time when We no longer need God or Christ or His Word and something else will take their place. No. We live between these two poles, the Alpha and the Omega. If the last letter is Omega and Jesus said, I am the Omega, it means, my friends, that He has the last word in history. That everything is going to turn out the way he has designed it. But I want you to see something here. All of history exists between the Alpha and the Omega. Think of that. Think of all the things that have happened from the beginning of time Until the end of time. And we have seen light and we have seen darkness. We have seen peace and we have seen war. We have seen seen good and we have seen bad. But in all of those experiences, He was there, if you please, making history. To move toward a certain end. History is not circular, it's linear. It's moving toward an end, to the omega. Listen to what he says to to John, to, to us, through John. In this world, you will have tribulation. He knew that between the alpha and the omega, there are hard times, difficult times, dark times. He knew that. But... Tribulation is a word which carries these nuances. Burdens. Burdens. Anguish. Anguish. Pressures. But listen to what he says. (laughs) It's almost as if he's mocking us. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In the midst of this, between the Alpha and the Omega are tribulations, but be of good cheer because those tribulations are not greater than the Alpha and the Omega. John Russell Lowell, you may have heard it. Truth forever on the scaffold, wrong forever on the throne. Yet the scaffold sways the future and behind the dim unknown Standeth God within the shadows, keeping watch over his own. We don't understand why certain things take place in the world. We don't understand the pressure and the suffering and the anguish. But my friends, please remember... That God did not create a hurting world. He created a world in which he said it was good, it was good, it was good. And when Satan was able to intrude that world, it became bad and bad and bad. God did not make a bad world. But in the bad world, he comes in. And he reveals himself to us. In the person of his son, he who is the alpha, the beginning and the end. And he says, in all these things we are more than conquerors because there is a divinity behind the activities of history. And the mind behind the activities of history is a mind that is good, a mind that is intelligent, a mind that is purposeful, a mind that we have come to know as Jesus Christ, as we shall see. So what was the intention of the revelation? It was to reveal something, to remind the church. At the time, it was suffering anguish. And God took the time to say to the churches in Asia, as he's saying to you and me this morning, I am the Alpha. I am the Omega. Omega. You You are walking You are sitting, you are living, you are facing, but you are not going to go one step without me orchestrating your life because I am the Alpha. I'm the Omega. Nothing can happen outside of that that can do damage to God. Let's look at it some more. Because there's not only the the information given, but you'll see in the revelation what he's saying. Listen to what he says. I am the one who is. Who is. It's almost the same as saying the Alpha, but he's giving us some more. In this little word, he is showing that he encompasses the present. The present. Where you and I are at this very moment. He is, not was. We'll see how the was comes into it in a minute. In that little verb, is, we are confronted not with a moment in time, but with a being that truly exists. To say that he is, he's saying that I exist. I have being. He is the ultimate reality. He is. Now, I, wanna, I want to introduce you to a man who lived the 5th century BC. His name is Paramendes. Very few of you, unless you're a history buff, will know of him. Almost all his works have been lost. But some of them that have been retained, he is known for this phrase. Uh, This is a philosopher. This is a mind that occupied yesterday's search for meaning. Listen to his statement. Whatever is, is. Now, does that blow your mind? whatever is is huh. what is this man saying he's saying that if something is real it cannot not be for anything that to exist it must be pure unchanging immutable fully actualized being god does not exist with the hope of improving as time goes on he is There is no correction in the character of God. He is ultimate character. In all the diversities we see in the world, why is there not chaos instead of a cosmos? Why do we not have the planets running into one another? How are we able to live in this diverse world where men are killing one another? Just look at your television screen. How how can we deal with the diversities we see? Whatever is, is. Let me tell you how I put that into scriptures. Listen to this. Colossians 1, 17. He, Christ Christ, is before all things. He's the alpha. Before all things. Listen to it now. And in him all things hold together. Because he is. God did not make a world and said, "Oops. What he made the world, he said, it is good. And in spite of what has happened, my friends, if God should ever stop being who he is, this world would fall apart. He holds the world, the invisible universe that you cannot see and I cannot see. God has called them into existence to be where they are, to do what they do, and if he should ever change his mind, this world would become a world of chaos. That's what John, God wanted John to tell us. That in spite of what we see in our world, there is someone taking care of it. Believe me. By the way, I, I, I read years ago that, that the sun... Is, is is moving back from the universe. And and when you read that you say, uh oh, I was always thought that if the sun ever moves backward that the, the, the earth would freeze. And if it moves, what am I what am I gonna I, I remember when I was moving from Central America to move to, to, to Western Canada I met someone on on the bus, and he said to me, where are you going? He said, I said, to Canada. He said, to Canada, do you know that when you spit in Canada, it freezes halfway down? (laughs) (laughs) But they said, the sun is moving at such a pace that if it continues to move at the, the pace it is moving, it will be at least 50 years before there's any change. I said, God you, I'll be in heaven by then. <laughs> My friends, God has all that in the control. If the sun moves, listen to the psalmist in Psalm 46. If the earth be removed and carried into the midst of the sea, God is our refuge. He is. He encompasses the present. And, and to, for us to be sure that nothing will change from the way the earth is created and is being carried on, the writer to the Hebrews reminds us Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is. God isn't going to become some culprit in time. He has not lost control. When he called the world into existence, when he made you the way you are, when he made me the way I am, he said, I can't keep you because I am the unchanging one. And somehow the church had lost the sense of the presence of God in the world that they were beginning to look for new means to exist. And may God help us not to join them. He encompasses the present quickly. He encompasses the past who was, who was. Now this doesn't mean that he has lost something and he's no longer that. No, that's not what was main means. It means that everything that happened then, he was there. That history was not something he has to get caught up on. The present that we arrived at, we are arriving at, because he was there, making it working according to the counsel of his will. Let me me give you an illustration of this. Take the birth of Jesus. When you read the book of Luke, Luke says that at a certain point in time in history, all of a sudden, a decree was made saying that all the world was to be taxed. The way in which... The Romans took a tax. It's a census, really. As one writer said, we want to see how they could make more money. Hasn't changed. Looking at the traffic, only only Lois knows what this is. In Toronto, it's called the Don Valley Parkway. And the Don Valley Parkway is where people go from the suburbs to the city for their work, and early morning traffic begins at 6.30 and ends around 11.30, and then evening traffic begins at 1.30 and ends at 6 o'clock. And so this past week, the government of, of Ontario decided we should tax people who drive on the Dan Valley Parkway. Because if we tax them, we'll have money. At least that's what I think they're doing. I don't think they're trying to reduce traffic. People have to go to work. They can't, can't do anything about that. And, and, and what, what we're looking at, my friends, is for, for years that thing was there. Nobody thought that that would ever happen. But he said... um, John wants us to know that whatever we are facing in the present is because of what he was doing in the past. And there may have been things in the past that's leading up to this, and there has been. But that does not mean that God is absent. So all of a sudden now we have Augustus Caesar saying, we want a census we want to take to know how many people are in this province and how many people are in that province. And everyone is to be taxed. They were to go to their own country to be taxed. And there was a young girl pregnant with her husband. And they lived in a certain place. And Augustus Caesar had control over that place. Would you allow me to read it? The proud emperor decrees drove southward the anxious couple. Yet, But another hand was leading them on. The hand of him who overrules the purpose and emperors and kings of statesmen and parliaments for the accomplishment of his design. Though they they knew him not, yet he was leading them. And listen, Joseph and Mary arrived at the very place where the prophet Micah, 700 years before said that Jesus was to be born in Bethlehem. You know how we got there? The providence of God leading in the past. God said, this is how and where my son is to be born. And my friends, think of it. You know know how I have been been dealing with my wife's illness and I I am at peace. Not because I am not concerned. But from the day she was born. Should I say how many years ago? No. (laughs) From the day she was born. God had the design on her life. And the present situation of my wife is not news to God. He was there. He is here. I am he who is, who was. And sometimes, you know, I jokingly say about Soderville how did I get here? I could, not, I could not see myself back there in Toronto or in Alberta where we lived. I could not see myself. But my friends, God was, was shaping me. You know, one of the, the best times, believe it or not, that I had with a family since I left Central America listen to this, was in a farm. Can you believe that? God had a family there who would take me into their home like one of their very own. In fact, they keep calling now and saying, we haven't heard from you. How is Lois doing? Huh. And when Lois came into my life, they embraced her who was And whether it was for Lois in Eagle Point, or me in Alberta, who was, my past was not chaotic. My past was designed by God, and the things that are happening to me now, presently, is known to the God who was my God and who is my God. I must quickly close, my time is gone. He encompasses the present, he encompasses the past, but the last thing he said, I am he who is to come, who is to come. Please note that the future is not going to be controlled by the United Nations. The future is not going to be controlled by Ottawa, Canada. Or London in England, or that house on 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. The future, my friends, is God's. And He is going to work everything, the chaos we see with man is known totally and fully to God and he is able to work everything after the counsel of his own will so listen to hebrews 7:25 he is able to keep to the uttermost keep to the uttermost all whom God is bringing to himself and not one of them shall be lost. And whatever might take place in your life and mine, my friends, whatever it might be, listen, Jesus ever lives. He control the past, the present and the future and he will make sure that you get to heaven. Absolute sure. Who is to come? It's talking about the second coming of Christ. And if he comes during the rapture, we'll go with him. If he, if he calls us home, listen to what he says. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be. That's the future. That's the future. Oh, how I wish I had time more time for this. The future belongs to God. He encompasses eternity. I am the Almighty, the one who rules. That's what that word means, the Almighty. Nothing created in human being on earth or in heaven or under the earth. nothing escapes the ruling of God. Listen, not life or death, our principalities, our powers, our things present, our things to come. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who reigns, who loves us, and who's coming. That's our hope. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Let us pray. O oh, gracious God, use your word for our encouragement today John was in exile and God told him to write about a God who owns the past the present and the future and John did not look to the right nor did he look to the left he looked up and when he looked up he was full of hope May we do the same today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.